We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. And Anthony drives one in the air to left field. Going back as Renfro. It's got a chance! Grand slam! Grand slam! Anthony Rizzo! Cubs lead 4-3. And good morning, everybody. A huge moment in yesterday's game. Bottom of the third, Anthony Rizzo with the grand slam, putting the Cubs up 4-3. At that time, they would go on to win 6-5. Good morning. It's inside the clubhouse here on 670 The Score alongside Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Welcome, Mike. Uh, sitting in here. for uh, my good friend Matt uh, Spiegel, who is doubling down in Ireland uh, this weekend and taking in uh, another country. And we'll explore the world of Chicago baseball as we talk White Sox-Cubs trade Right off the bat, trades uh, between the two teams eh, may be possible, more likely with other clubs. We'll talk to you about the Hall of Fame. Kyle Schwarber expected to join us also uh, live from the ballpark. Your participation, always welcome and important to us at 312-644-6767. Text Mike at 67011. Your thoughts and anything that's worthy to go on the radio will go on as Mike will read it. And by the way, Mike, uh, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, the finest food on the North Shore. The best deli, no doubt. The best bakery, without question. The place for parties or business meetings, you bet. 10 to 150 people accommodated in this big restaurant and bakery. (coughs) I'm sorry, Mike. Full dinners with all the trimmings from 4 to 9. Every day features uh, chicken, skirt steak, and the freshest fish in the city. Max and Benny's corned beef and pastrami, not to be missed. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's in Northbrook, where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. So was Rizzo's Grand Slam yesterday. Mike. It was. It was a good day to hit at Wrigley Field yesterday, Bruce. That one got up in the wind. And some special meaning behind that one yesterday, uh, Bruce, as uh, a nine-year-old boy was out there yesterday by the name of Matteo Lambert, and he's doing some really special stuff for kids with cancer. Yeah, he is. Uh, He met with Anthony Rizzo before the game. Uh, Matteo is running 5 and 10Ks to raise uh, money for kids with cancer and to help use that money is used to help keep them in uh, their homes, in their schools, while they're going through treatment. Um, it's an unbelievable young man who is doing this all on his own. He has no connection with cancer himself, not a survivor, just somebody with a big heart. He talked to Anthony Rizzo yesterday before the game, and uh, 
Anthony delivered a grand slam. Here's Anthony Rizzo after the game talking about him and Mateo getting together. Yeah, I did. So I was for him and, you know, he's running a 5K tomorrow, I believe, and for kids with cancer. So that's, that's really special of him to come and hang out here. I mean, he wrote me a note before the game saying, let's help kids be kids. So it's a nine-year-old going out of his way to run for kids with cancer. That's complete, He's completely healthy. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to see um, little kids giving back like that, how much he cares, what a heart he has. Uh, what a heart he has and what a young man. If that is not uh, something significant for you to hear and to motivate you to help other people, nothing is. And he's done this in four different cities. Today, it's, uh, I think uh, my friend Cheryl Ray said that he might increase it from 5 to 10, depending on the weather. So, um, you know, just a, a wonderful young man who uh, Anthony Rizzo hit a home run for him. Just a grand slam. You it, know. That's, At least he didn't ask for two home runs. <laughs> that would be right out of Seinfeld. That was a good way to end the, uh, the home run drought for Anthony Rizzo. The, the other, uh, the model of consistency, in addition to all the wonderful work, obviously, that he does for uh, cancer research and kids with cancer, 20 home runs, seven years in a row now for Anthony Rizzo. Yesterday right. was number 20. The only left-hander to do that in Cub history, uh, Billy Williams. So that's a uh, mighty uh, uh, high territory for Anthony, who is uh, on track for his own Hall of Fame career at this point, turning 30 here in another couple of weeks. So... Um, you know, kind of a nice moment for him. Didn't win the game, but it certainly got the Cubs back the lead and back into it. It was an ugly game out there, Mike, as you were doing the pre- and post-game for a Cub uh, radio on the uh, broadcast with Pat and uh, Zach yesterday. And I know it was uh, tough weather conditions, one of the warmest days in a long time. We had one last year against Minnesota that was similar, but um, very tough. Some ugly play in the field by the Padres, the Cubs, uh, you know, a couple of uh, you know things that didn't register. Baez's play was erratic, although he hit that home run, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bodie arguing a call and a runner moving up a base. Uh, just, uh, you know, if, I guess you can maybe attribute some of it to the weather, but uh, all was well that ended well. Yes, yeah, strange day out there, very hot. Heat index got up to 108, I want to say, yesterday. It was uh, uh, all the more impressive then. And not that John Lester's numbers looked great at the end. Gave up a lot of hits. Managed to minimize the damage, though. Uh, 12 hits and four runs in six innings doesn't sound great. Yeah, no but walks. sitting out there yesterday, seemed like he, he did a good job. And, and in the sixth inning, when he needed the big out against Machado, Madden left him in, and I think that was the right call, and it proved out that Yeah, way. it was a huge moment. Uh, you know, tying run on second base, and uh, he leaves him in for 103 pitches, and... He strikes out. Machado had earlier hit a home run off mm-hmm. of him. So uh, that was, um, you know, a, a big moment for the Cubs. Eventually, uh, you know, uh, Strope gave up a home run, but they came back and won it on a, a Padre error. So that's, uh, that's kind of the, um, the game it was. But Cubs continue to play great at home. Uh, six and one out of, this, out of the break right now. The other side of town, not too great. White Sox broke, came off the schneid, and won their first out of eight games out of the break. Uh, it had been an ugly start for them as they start with uh, uh, ten in a row on the road, lost the first seven. Um, you know, just the pitching's been awful. But yesterday, a nice start from 
uh, Ronaldo Lopez, and the, the offense came through. So hopefully the White Sox will keep moving. We take your calls on Cubs and Sox at 312-644-6767. And, Mike, uh, we're going to start with a little bit of trade talk. Absolutely. First, though, this hour brought to you by Sharp Vision Modern LASIK. Also, U.S. Open coverage on the score brought to you by the BMW Championship at Medina Country Club August 13th through August 18th. Visit BMWChampionship.com. That's right, Bruce. We're, uh, what, 11 days now away from the trade deadline and with the new rules that uh, you're not going to be able to make those waiver deals after July 31. Uh, it's a new, it's almost a, it's a very hard deadline as opposed to the, well, we could always get somebody through waivers and make a deal in August. So Theo Epstein was on our uh, midday show yesterday with uh, Bernstein and McKnight talking a little bit about it. Uh, He was reticent, really, Mike, to talk about trade activity because uh, Dan Bernstein asked him directly, are you going for uh, a a leadoff man type? Are you going for a left-hander? But eventually, uh, Theo talked about some of the opportunities and whether they're realistic or not for the Cubs to go after high-profile guys. We are not counting on this. A lot of that depends on, you know, how things are shaping up with our current roster, health-wise, performance-wise, moves we anticipate internally. And then it really depends on, on the landscape you know, of available players. And there's sort of a, you know, a dream list of players where you know, you'd, love to, you'd love to acquire, but it's looking really unrealistic because either they're, they're not going to be moved by their current teams or the current team is going to set such a high price tag that is prohibitive for, for the whole rest of the league or maybe just for us. Uh, Epstein uh, was replying to uh, to uh, Dan and to Connor about the, whether or not these guys are actually going to move on. And you know, as I'm reporting, a lot of other people uh, in the mix now as well talking about a left-handed reliever that they need. Uh, they sent back uh, Rosario yesterday. They're down to one left-hander in the bullpen with Kyle Ryan. It's not ideal. I mean, uh, Joe Madden talked about the fact that his righties can get out lefties, but you're, you're not going to go into the championships months of the year, Mike, and uh, have just one left-hander in the bullpen. So, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, the possibility, you know, the names out there we know. There's Smith, you know, Will Smith with the Giants. Um, you know, there's... Um, of course, Kirby Yates with the, <coughs> the Padres, who they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's other names out there. Um, in particular, you want to look at um, teams like uh, Kansas City, Baltimore, um, Miami. Those are the teams on the bottom that have uh, some arms to trade that are not in the race. There are so many teams that still imagine their wild card teams that you you don't know if they're going to be buyers or sellers. Well, in the San Francisco Giants, you mentioned Will Smith. They are the hottest team in baseball right now. They've played themselves back into – they're certainly not going to catch the Dodgers, but they're, they're in the wild card race. Now, the question is, does that mean that they're still going to hold their guys and, and go for it, or are they going to sell? Because – They've won, I, I want to say, 13 to 15, whatever the number is. They are, the hot, they are yeah. one of the hottest teams in the league. Well, they're going to trade Bumgarner, and, and they're going to hopefully get a lot for him, even though he's a free agent coming up. But uh, Smith and uh, Tony Watson, who's their setup man left-hander for yeah. Smith, mm-hmm. uh, both outstanding arms. Uh, either one would be outstanding for the Cubs to get. I don't know if the Padres are going to trade Yates. They have him under contract control for another year. He's been outstanding. I don't know if anybody 
really follows the Padres much. But, you know, this is a guy that has 67 strikeouts in 40-plus innings. He's got an ERA of 1.07. They've only hit one home run off of him. He's just been a lockdown guy. So that would be that would be interesting. There are a lot of scouts uh, in Chicago, Mike, looking at uh, Yates. A lot of them are uh, uh, the Giants are there for the seventh time in nine different um, uh, d- different uh, um, home stands for the Cubs looking at the Cubs. So uh, there could be a strong connection between the Giants and the Cubs. Problem is the matchup for the Cubs and whether or not um, they can take on any money. Neither one of these pitchers are making a lot, so I think it's a good possibility. And, and we did see San Diego trade Brad Hand last year. He's still closing for Cleveland. Yates slid back to their closer role, and you're right. He leads the league in saves. He's been really uh, great this year for San Diego, a team that I know had high hopes coming into the season after signing Manny Machado, but uh, they have uh, not started the second half well. They're five under five hundred, and they're currently tied for last with the Rockies in that very tough Western yeah. division. And, and the, uh, the shakedown here over the next week is going to be interesting because we saw uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati as close as uh, four and a half games to the Cubs, the whole division bunched together at the break. And now you see a separation of Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, one seven out, the others uh, nine out at this point. Mm-hmm. All within a week, it's like, you know, is this realistic any longer? I mean, are you really going for the second wild card? When there's seven other teams that have better records than you have. Um, so there has to be a um, moment where the, uh, those front offices figure out buyers or sellers, more likely sellers. Your other teams that, uh, to look at, Mets, Marlins, you, in the American League, you have the Seattle Mariners, Tigers, Royals, you mentioned Baltimore, you mentioned Toronto is well behind as well. But I think everyone else... Certainly, you can make a mathematical argument right. that they're in the wild card race. And the White Sox, uh, on the other hand, and we'll talk more about them uh, in the 10 o'clock hour as well as we have uh, Kyle Schwarber on with us at 945. Uh, the White Sox have to make decisions as well on Abreu, uh, certainly on Colome, Herrera. Those are all guys that are uh, possibilities. Uh, you get an awful lot of blowback and pushback when you bring Abreu's name up because it is a name uh, that um, the, the White Sox love Abreu. They want to keep him. But is it possible, Mike, as we've talked about here on the show before, that the White Sox can trade him and bring him back? He's a free agent in November. Um, certainly uh, he's been a part of this rebuild as far as being an, a great example for all his team, all of his teammates, including the young Latin American kids. Um, how far does that really need to go uh, with a guy that's going to play 33 next year. And uh, will, will he be accepting of a two-year contract uh, as a free agent from the White Sox when he could maybe get more than that from someone else? Well, he says he's going to re-sign himself here, however that's going to work. But uh, I, I'm with you. I, I, I would like to see that. We'll dive more into the Sox, as you said, during the 10 o'clock hour. Right now we want to jump to the phones and take a few calls, 312-644-6767. Glencoe, Mike is first up here on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, fellas. And, Bruce, it's always a pleasure on Saturday morning to talk to you. Thanks. Uh, I, I worry less about the Sox' uh, miserable performance coming out of the gate today. But my question to you is, knowing Jerry Reinsdorf and what he did, you know, did, did to Doug Collins, and I think the same thing to Larry Himes, do you foresee a situation where Reinsdorf says, we need to get an experienced manager from, to get us from point B to point C, 
a lot of Sox fans don't like Rick Hahn. He's not going anywhere. But what do you see Reinsdorf doing? Uh, is a Collins to Phil Jackson move in the, on the horizon for Rick Renneria? Thanks for your call. No, Mike, I, I don't see that right now. I mean, uh, Ricky's been the uh, the guy that they've turned to. They feel that he's been a, a key development guy for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Players have responded well. As you've watched the White Sox play and get beat over the last two and a half years, you've also watched them fight until the end, uh, win some games they're not supposed to win, and if they get enough pitching, stay in the game. Uh, I think Ricky Renneria has been a really good manager. But, I agree. Uh, <clears throat> the jury is out as to you know the point uh, B to point A or the point A to point B or C, wherever you're going with that, um, as far as, you know, is he a championship-level manager? Well, you know what? Give him championship-level players first. Uh-huh. Give him a rotation that uh, can pitch in the major leagues and compete, and then uh, we can make our verdict. Right now, as I've been saying all year long, just keep your eye on the development of the White Sox players, and the more, most important thing is the pitching. The starting Last pick, night, a big, a big uh, yeah, start a for Lopez. Yeah, great start for Lopez, and hopefully he's going to have a good second half. It's the starting pitching. Giolito, Lopez, Cease now up. Uh, he's going to pitch on sun, uh, Sunday. Um, these are the guys you watch. Don't, don't get upset about Nova. Don't get upset about, um, you know, Kobe. Don't get upset about some of the peripheral guys that are starting because they're not going to be a part of the mix going down. White Sox will start spending a lot of money next year on – uh, rotation addition. Uh, they hope to get Kopech back, Rodon by the middle of the year. So things could be looking up. But until that rotation is ready, uh, there's, there's nothing for Ricky Renneria to do but uh, try to survive. 312-644-6767 is our number. We need to take a quick timeout. Matt, Ron, everyone else on hold will do calls, your calls on the Cubs and the White Sox before we talk to Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs right around 945. It's inside the clubhouse here on 670 to score. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, back with you here on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse. Bottom of the hour brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different six-inch sub for $3.79 every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Bruce Kyle Schwarber will join us right around 945. We'll be excited to talk to him. Until then, we're excited to talk to you about what's going on on both sides of town and the trade deadline coming up on the 31st. Let's start in River North. We get Matt on the score and inside the clubhouse. Hey, Matt, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Bruce, got, got two points and a question for you. First, about the White Sox starting pitching. It is bad, but you always talk about outfield defense. Their outfield defense is horrible, and I think that really hurts the confidence of the pitchers. You know, I mean, you know, they led me to believe that Eloy was Carlos Beltran. He can't throw anybody out. He might get better at getting to balls, but you can't do anything about that throwing arm. And Charlie Tilson was horrible out there. They sent him down. Until that stuff gets better and they clean up the defense, their pitching is going to have problems. And I wanted to ask you about a guy for the Cubs who I've always wanted, and I don't think it'll take them much to get him, but they've got to improve their bench. What about Neil Walker? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good name. Uh, you know, he's certainly probably going to be available down the line here, but... Uh, they, uh, you know, they need uh, somebody that can lead off. You know, that, that's the key, and, and somebody with some on-base percentage. 
you know, as, as good as their lineup is, there's just no natural guy there, Mike. I mean, You're going to start the Whit Merrifield talk again, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're not trading him. Uh, if, the, if they trade him, it's going to be three major league-ready players for him. And that's the Cubs don't have a match for him. They're not trading Kyle Schwarber for him, okay? That's, that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I mean, your, your points are, are well taken. But, uh, again, they're going to have to trade dollar for dollar, uh, they don't have much money left. They're, they have the second highest payroll in baseball, and uh, they're they're going to have to find a matchup with their players. I mean, their minor league system hasn't produced really enough uh, for them to be all that exciting to other teams. So. Uh, therefore, they don't match up necessarily with teams they'd like to trade with. No, and, and they did make one move. I, I don't know if you'd call it minor, as this is gonna, a guy that's going to play a lot for you, but Maldonado for Montgomery earlier this week, oh, that, which that was, I, I know a, people by surprise. That's a huge move. Well, I mean, it was predicated being done now because of the fact that they knew they were going to have uh, Contreras down for 10 days uh, due to his minor yep. injury with his foot. You know, he's got you know uh, an issue uh, you know, planting his foot. It's not serious. He had a talk. They had to talk him into it, but it was a prudent thing to do. And the Cubs have always added catching late in the season. Uh, you know, just may, maybe two or three times during the, this uh, four to five year run that they're on right now. So that was not a surprise. Surprises you could get a top quality defender who uh, can go in there, and then you have the situation with uh, with Caratini and whether or not. Uh, he's your third catcher now uh, when Contreras comes back or he goes back to the minor leagues, he has options, or is he a part of a trade? Um, you know, again, uh, he's done a very good job for him. Uh, there's a couple pitchers that really like throwing to him. So, you know, they have to kind of gauge it. But they have three catchers who aren't really – I mean, you don't want to use Contreras in a position – very often that you run the risk of uh, him hurting himself out there, which would not be a prudent thing. So um, I don't see them holding on to three catchers, uh, maybe, certainly by September 1st, but not by the present roster, the, the makeup of it. Out to the south side we go. Ron is up next on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Bruce, you talked about a hot team in baseball. You mentioned the Giants. Another team is Cleveland. They yeah. have pretty much played themselves in contention for that division. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys, what was, I think the bigger decision for the White Sox, I don't, I don't know what the market is out there for Abreu, but um, Colomay, because look, now there are quite a few teams uh, in contention, you know, for a wild card. So I want you to ask that. And lastly, um, speaking of the Hall of Fame, it's very unfortunate it took uh, Lee Smith. Lee Smith should have been in the Hall of Fame. But, I, you know, been a Sox fan all my life, Harold Baines, Harold Baines fits into that category that was just a very, very good ball player mm-hmm. for a long time, with longevity. I never considered him uh, one of the best players in the game, which they use, particularly use that as a criteria for the Hall of Fame. So I just never felt the uh, Harold Baines. I was very good for a very long time, but not a Hall of Fame. Ryan, okay. let me ask you Thank before we cut, mm-hmm. we cut, we cut, we, we cut you loose. Um, there were two, two strikes and probably a couple hundred games that Harold missed. If he was at 3,000 hits, would you have a different look at him? Yeah, prob- you know what? Probably so. And, and you know what's unfortunate, Bruce? You know, he had those knee injuries, and then he, he DH. And again, very, very good ball right. player. But when you look at Hall of Fame, that makes a separation. I just never thought he would. Even if you look at the time minute, he was voted for MVP or something. Never was in the top, right. you know, four or five. You know, very good for a very long time. But I never just thought that. 
he was a Hall of Famer. So, okay. thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. Uh, thanks, Ron. Yeah, the, the column A situation is an interesting one, Mike. Uh, you know, certainly they have to decide. They have them under contract control for next year. And if you want to win a lot of games and your starting pitching is starting to come around, are you going to kick yourself if you traded column A now knowing that you're going to need a closer then when you're in more serious contention? And he doesn't cost you a heck of a lot. So from that perspective, do they see a candidate within their system? I mean, is Kopech eventually going to come back and say, he's got 100-plus, we, we have other starting pitchers, he's our closer? I mean, those are some of the things that you look at if you are in on the internal discussions of the Chicago White Sox. Or to play devil's advocate because of the uh, up-and-down nature of bullpens and bullpen pitchers, do you trade, do you sell high on Colome? And then bring in somebody else next year. I mean, you could right. maybe get more because he's under control. For yeah, next you don't year. want to get trapped in the the overthinking the situation. If somebody blows you away for column A, I think you take it. Sure. And we'll talk in the top of the hour about Abreu. Uh, how does he fit with the White Sox short and long term? Bottom of the hour brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz and the 17th ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. Season and single game tickets on sale now at NU Sports. Com. Out to Park Ridge we go. We have another Ron on the line. Good morning, Ron. Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, Bruce and Mike, thanks for taking my call this morning. Any idea if Morrow or Kendall Graveman will be available this year? And if so, what would their roles be? And also, Bruce, uh, do you personally know these scouts, or how do you know when they're actually at the game to scout? Uh, yeah, players? I actually, you know, I do. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. And I, uh, I know, uh, you know, a ton of different scouts. As, you know, my, my old friend Jerome Holtzman, who was one of the great Hall of Fame writers, told me when I broke into this business, get to know the scouts and the umpires. They're a great source of uh, information. Nobody talks to them. If you make friends with them, uh, they're going to do nothing but help you. And I've done that throughout my career. And, uh, you know, there's probably a couple hundred scouts that I do know. And so when they come to town... I see them. They're, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, the Giants have a scout in town. The Phillies have a scout in town. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have a scout in town. All of them looking for uh, back-end uh, bullpen guys except San Francisco who has guys to trade. So uh, I can piece things together, and I can talk to them off the record about, you know, some of these things that are happening. I don't know about Graveman coming back, but, I, uh, you know, Morrow, Theo Epstein said that they're hopeful He'll be back before the season's over. He's been out over a year now uh, after uh, elbow surgery last November. Yep, the Morrow stuff and the Zobra stuff we'll get into a little bit uh, a little bit later as well. Theo on the score yesterday with Bernstein and McKnight. We need to take a quick timeout. We want to be ready for Kyle Schwarber. Hope to talk to him next right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 to score. Back on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito with you until 11 o'clock. Hope to talk to Kyle Schwarber momentarily here. And, Bruce, we have a Cubs lineup. Uh, it's a bit odd. and All right. Tension. Tension, please. Get your <laughs> pencils and scorecards ready, and Mike will give you today's starting lineup. Thank you for that. Uh, as he did yesterday, Albert Almora will play center field and lead off. Javier Baez plays short. Chris Bryant batting third. Today, Bruce, yesterday he was in left. Today, he's in right. Jason Hayward getting the day off. Cleanup, Anthony Rizzo. Robel Garcia back in the lineup, but not at second base. 
Not where you would think he would be. He's starting pitcher, right? He is not starting at pitcher either. He is the left fielder today. Robel Garcia batting fifth. Caratini will catch and bat sixth. Russell, seventh, playing second base. David Bodie with another start at third. And Jose Quintana is your pitcher. So a little uh, some oddities in that lineup, right? right? Well, it's Joe Madden's lineups. And Joe Madden uh, prepares these lineups usually way ahead. Uh, he also yep. makes sure that he uses his entire 25-man roster. Uh, nobody sits very long, and uh, the communication is good. Um, Lopez, I mean, you know, I'm, Garcia in left, that's a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, uh, he has some history out there. He's been mostly playing second base. So we'll see how it works, but, uh, you know, again... Joe is trying to find some magic against left-handed pitching. Uh The Cubs have, I think, the 15th in the National League against left-handed pitching. You know, they're they're hitting about 235. Uh, Not a lot of slugs. Not so good. Yeah, so uh, that is uh, something that uh, is a concern to the Cubs because they know they have to do better when it comes to uh, to hitting against left-handed starters. And for those of you also scoring at home, there are 15 teams in the National League. So being 15th in the National League, yes, indeed, really bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and our next guest, we talked about this during the break, but Kyle Schwarber, so now he hit the walk-off the other night, but he has been out of the lineup ever since. Uh, and it's not a, a demotion. It's not like they've soured on Kyle Schwarber. The reason is today so, because... Well, first of all, Joe makes up his lineups three days in advance. Yep. Okay. So uh, they've had two left-handed starters in a row uh, against Gray. Uh, he had already had another lineup set. So we'll talk to Kyle a little bit about that yep. when he gets on with us. But in the meantime, uh, the Cubs have continued to play outstanding at home. Uh, they have a couple more games left here today and tomorrow before they go on a lengthy road trip. And mm-hmm. winning on the road is going to be the key to the second half of their season. Yeah, and that road trip starts Monday in San Francisco. I mentioned earlier that the Giants, Bruce, are the hottest team in baseball right now. They have won, I'm double-checking it right now, but it is seven in a row. They're nine of their last ten, and I want to say 15 of 17. So they've played themselves back into the wild-card hunt. They're now 49 and 49, uh, so right at 500 after this hot streak. And uh, the Cubs will start Alec Lang in... San Francisco on Monday. Right, and the general manager there uh, has a charge, and that is Ferenziti, who is his, mm-hmm. this is his first uh, year as a general manager. Regardless of how hot they get, he's going to trade, okay? Mm-hmm. So I expect Bumgarner to be traded. I expect Smith uh, and Watson both to be traded. I think that's a real possibility. Time now to jump out to the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. We are excited to welcome on Cubs outfielder Kyle Schwarber. Kyle, good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good morning, Kyle. Uh, thanks for taking some time out this morning. You know, Mike and I were talking about the lineups, and I'm going to relate this story because I early in the year, I remember you were on a, a hot streak. You had, won, you had had, um, you know, like seven out of ten hits in two games, and then uh, Joe's lineup didn't have you in the lineup the next day. I came up to you and I said, do you want me to go into uh, Joe's office and talk to him kiddingly? <laughs> and you took it very seriously and you said, um, what was the outcome of the game? I said, well, you guys won. He said, that's it. So uh, I guess that perspective uh, is what champions are all about, Kyle, and the fact that uh, when you do re- really buy in 
to a championship team, you put yourself second, third, and fourth. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think the the biggest thing here, what we have with this team, is we ha- we have a bunch of talent, and the, the you know the the talent's got to play. And uh, you know, there's going to be days where you know there's going to be some guys who are, are, are sitting, and they're going to have to impact the game off the bench. And there's going to be guys out there who are going to be starting and have to go ahead and in- impact the game uh, one through nine. And uh, you know, it, it's just the nature of this team, and you know. The, it's a it's a good problem to have when we have a guys who uh, could be a bunch of three, four, five, six hole hitters on uh, any team in the big leagues, and uh, you know we embrace it and we go out there and we're we're uh, you know trying to just go out there and win ball games at the end of the day. Kyle, we were talking a little bit earlier about yesterday's win and specifically John Lester's performance and. Statistically, if you look at the numbers, not his greatest outing, but if you were there at the game and you were watching uh, closely under the conditions, under what he was dealing with, uh, I thought it was really a great performance. And when he needed to come up big there in the sixth, he was able to do it. Exactly. You know, I think the biggest thing there is is John is uh, he's a competitor. You know, he, he's a guy who's going to go out there, and even if he doesn't have his best stuff that day, he's going to give you six innings. And uh, he's going to go out there and, and keep that team close for for us to go ahead and and keep uh, chugging away and putting up some runs on that guy. And uh, that's why I think John is you know one of the one of the best big game pitchers in the game and one of the best pitchers in the game. And he's going to have a nice future after baseball is done. Uh, hopefully, getting into the Hall of Fame. But uh, you know, I. I I can, we can't say you know enough words about John Lester and what he means to the, the the organization. The communication with the Cubs from people that have played elsewhere and come here and play for Joe and the coaching staff seems to be as good as any in baseball. From your perspective, um, when you get these lineups, and I guess is it right that you you guys get lineups three days in advance of when when you're playing? Yeah, that's correct. So you get these lineups, so. Um, the communication and, and Joe's communication, this has been your only organization. You can't compare it to anywhere else. But from your perspective, when you, when you hear guys come in and talk about it, what is the, you know, the, the conversation about? And do they all seem to respond to the fact that this has been uh, a pretty good winning team for a long time that seems to really communicate well? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is when other guys come in the – this organization, and uh, like you said, this has only been my organization I've been in for. But uh, everyone talks about how first class this organization is, and how things are run here, and uh, how they treat the players, how you communicate with the players, um, and how they try to give the players everything they need to just worry about going out and, and focusing on winning baseball games. And uh, they say that's not like. You know, it's not like this anywhere else. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that we don't take, you know, for granted. That's for sure. Kyle Schwarber is our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Kyle, you, you've led off a lot this year. You've batted uh, at various parts in the lineup. Is there a comfort level for you more so at one spot or another, or you just uh, kind of go up and, and make your at-bats as you always would, regardless of, of where you're batting in the order? Yeah, you know, I mean, I want to go up there and make them uh, just like any other at bat. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, to, you know, especially being in the leadoff spot is, 
just being able to take away the the, the lead off uh you know, saying or whatever the general knowledge of a leadoff hitter is and just be able to go up there and, and take my bat. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be a guy who's, you know, I'm I'm going to hit it out of the park, but uh, I'm also going to take a walk. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is and what I've learned from is just being able to take your bat and, and not try to force things, not try to force the walk and uh, be aggressive to your pitch, be aggressive in the zone, but also be selective. Kyle, how often do uh, teammates go up to other teammates or the group and say, you know, I lost my concentration, you know, uh, I know I have to do better, or is that just assumed uh, when a guy makes a mental error out there, uh, you know, from time to time? Because it happens. Yesterday, uh, the heat might have gotten to both teams as far as making physical and mental errors. How do you look at it, and and what is the, the chatter in the clubhouse internally when a guy you know, knows that he messed up, does he come to other teammates? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's obviously there's going to be times when you want to address things, but uh, there's a way to go about it. But, uh, you know, as well, there, there's times where, you, you know, you really don't need to say anything because we got a bunch of really smart baseball players here. And, uh, you know, I think everyone knows when, you know, you, you have a mental error, you, you 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 know physical errors are going to happen. There's nothing you can really do about a physical error, but you know we we really do try to, to limit the mental errors. And uh, you know I, I think those are times where you know you, you just got to be able to, to let the player uh, go ahead and and you know I think that they they know what they did wrong. And uh, you know if it if there's sometimes that uh you know we we've had multiples in in some games or a series or whatever it is we all might you know get together as players and and sit down and try to talk it out and uh refocus for going into the next series and that's where great leadership comes in because if you go locker to locker and you ask people who the leaders are in the team most most everybody says they're everywhere and uh is is that is that the way that you look at it i mean you know maybe a lot of people look to Lester, maybe some look to Rizzo and Hayward, but I I look at uh, you know leadership like guys who yourself would tell me, hey, did we win or lose? Uh, that's that's a leadership quality to talk about how the perspective is about the team. Yeah, you know, I would definitely say it's everywhere. Everyone, you know, I would say generally, you know, obviously everyone wants to to generate towards uh, Rizzo, Lester, you know, obviously the veteran type guys, Hayward, but uh, you know. Once we're on a group, you know, a big group setting, you know, everyone comes out and, and says their piece, and uh, you know, it's it's not a one-sided conversation, which I think is most needed in a uh, in a team. Uh, you know, everyone wants to to get their point across and to be able to be there for others and pick each other up, and I, I think that's what the the great part about this team is. Uh, you know, everyone everyone's here for each other, and uh, no one's out here playing. You know, just the, you know, just for themselves. We all know that we're playing for something bigger, and uh, we all have a collective goal, and we all want to go out there and play clean baseball. And uh, I think that's that's the biggest thing about this team that that no one's afraid to uh, the the voice their opinion. Last thing for you, Kyle, and we appreciate your time, and, and you have to pick one. Would you rather sit through a polar vortex like we had this winter or, or 108 heat index like we had yesterday and today? you got to pick 100, one. 108. All no day, doubt. right? <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. You know, it's fine. We, we were all in here, you know, uh, 
saying, you know, if anyone complains about this heat, just think about playing in 34-degree weather. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I think that we all rather be out there, you know, sweating uh, our you-know-what's off but uh, than going out there and trying to stay warm. Kyle, we appreciate your time. Thanks for picking up the phone and joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. I'll see you out at the ballpark, okay? All right. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle Schwarber from Wrigley Field checking in on Inside the Clubhouse. Things that you get here, you don't get very many other places on the score. No, it's great to talk to Kyle. And uh, as we mentioned, we'll talk more about the lineup uh, in the next hour. We'll talk more trades in the next hour. And uh, Lee Smith and Harold Baines going into the Hall of Fame all here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.